Welcome to Mind Rewind, a voyage through mental health journeys by those with the courage and desire to share their experiences with you. Through the insight and lived experience of others, you may find the tools and strategies that could benefit you and the strength to reach out for support. Listen and you'll hear messages of hope and that there is no obstacle that cannot be overcome when there is a willingness and bravery to tackle your challenges. Just a warning that some of the content of this story may be confronting for some listeners. If you or someone you know needs crisis support, speak with someone today. Please phone Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hi everyone, this is Jack Payne and you're listening to Mind Rewind. And this morning, I'm really pleased and excited because I've got Sophie joining us to tell her story. Hi Sophie. Hi everyone. How are you? I'm well, thank you. We're in different states, so I'm grateful because where you are, I think it's a little earlier. So thank you for joining us a little earlier this morning. Tell us a little about yourself. What I always like to start with is where you're at now before we do the rewind and kind of explore how you got to where you are now. But okay. I think it's really nice to begin with and for people to understand that things are usually pretty good where people are currently and to frame it from that position. What are you doing right now? So at the moment, I am a remedial massage therapist. I've been doing that for a decade now. I'm a counsellor as well, and I am currently doing my master's in counselling too. have a partner of 10 wonderful years. That was a couple of weeks ago. And I am doing well. I am exceptionally happy. And also at 30 years old, coming into myself which is really nice. I'm actually so keen for my 30s. I'm so excited. My last guest was just telling me about their grandmother who's, and she was saying, you know, everyone thinks that your teens should be the best years of your life. And her grandmother said to her, no, it's your 30s because you know yourself so well. Do you know what? I agree. Teens, not great, as you will hear. 20s, unexpectedly not great. Late 20s to early 30s, awesome. Really, really good. And I think late blooming, I like to think I got a lot of the crap out of the way first. So everything from here is totally manageable and exciting. It's exciting. I love that. I got all the crap out of the way first. I love that you're happy. Okay. What makes you happy these days? The simple things. My morning coffee is like the glimmer that starts my day. I love it. And I know I was like, caffeine? No, I was like, no, caffeine. Me, me one too. a day, love it. And, and I even have a, a beautiful husband who brings it to me in bed. Yeah, I'm the one who <laughs> brings it in bed. No, so I have a wonderful partner which has taken so much self-awareness and growth with each other, so I'm very grateful for that. I have a little dog. Bless him, you might see him a bit later. He's got anxiety who's taught me a lot as well. It's the simple things. It's the exercise. It's the nature. It's the meditation. It's the family and the friends. It's all those things that we can actually have for free that matter. Oh, Sophie, your music to my ears. I agree. We lose sight of the things that we can embrace that are there right in front of us or the things that we can do for ourselves, which are really easy, really simple. Often we're lazy. I think it's a lot of us weren't taught to be our own friend or to feel for ourselves the way we feel for others. And I think that's what I discovered along the way. And that has made the biggest difference for me is, yes, if I'm grumpy, if I'm having a crap day or whatever, it's actually okay to be like, oh, I'm going to feel sorry for myself a little bit. Like, you know, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay to feel it because you know it's going to end. You might not know when, but it always does end. And why can't you give yourself a break? 
I love that. I love yeah. that. Is that just lean into it and, yeah. and as you rightly say, no feeling lasts forever. Yep. Absolutely. We don't know where the end position is, but it won't last forever. Exactly. But I do think we're a bit little older and wiser and maybe we get that. But for young people listening, it's it's a hard thing to grasp when you're in the depths of despair or well, anxiety running rampant. It's the overwhelmingness, right? Yeah. The only way you can really learn is through experience is how do we deal with overwhelm. Exactly, which is what all these beautiful stories that people are telling are exactly that. How do we get through it? So we know that you're pretty happy right now, really stable. Life is good. Take us back to younger you when it wasn't so rosy. So younger me, memory youngest me, headstrong, like what I am now, headstrong, less anxiety, dare I say. That came. Interesting. Knew what I wanted completely, just going to go autonomous. Let's go get into the world. No worries. We started having family issues with domestic family violence when I got about to five years old. Oh, wow. Really young. Yeah. By the time I hit seven, we escaped that. We literally just got in a car one night and left. Did you witness it? Can I ask? I don't know on details, but did you, were you aware? I was aware of it. Yeah. And that's where things started changing for me. At the time, though, being five, I didn't know that it was different. Of course you didn't. I didn't know it was wrong. It was just, okay, this is weird. I knew something was off instinctively, but I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know how to deal with it. I think that's where the overwhelm started to build. That was the foundation. So we left when I was seven, from seven till about 12. We're going through the court system. It was really ugly uncertain period. Did you get taken through the court system as well as children? Did. Yeah. My brother and myself did, unfortunately. He's a bit older than me. So in a way, I think I was sheltered with my lack of understanding to a degree. It was a really hard time all round and there was just so much uncertainty. But as you do, you just you keep going to school. We moved houses a lot. We moved schools a lot. We just kept going through the motions because we didn't know what else to do. Well, you must have had a, there was one parent then who was incredibly brave. My mum, phenomenal woman, phenomenal. As I get older, the more and more I think, I don't know how she did it. And she says, you just do it, which as I get older, I understand, but I am grateful I have her genetics running through my veins because phenomenal, astounding. And she still is to this day. And she's so stoic about it. If she listens to this, I would love for you to realize how amazing you are. So that happened. And then by the time I reached 11 and 12, I hit puberty and then my mental health and physical health went absolutely haywire. Can you tell us a little about that? Roughly when I was about 11, I actually started having hallucinations. Probably the best one was that I had Harry Potter read itself to me, which was very cool. But I also had the tour down under chase me one day. I also had a closet eat me. And it's so fascinating because now I I haven't had them in years. And I think, how can you believe that's real? But a hallucination, you literally cannot tell the difference. It feels very real. Objectively, it's fascinating. Living it, it's Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So I started having them and I ended up seeing neuropsychologists, neurologists, a series of people. And the end result of that was I either had epilepsy or I had pseudo-epilepsy where I was having all the same symptoms as epilepsy, but the cause of it was not related to epilepsy. To this day, it depends which specialist you are. So we still don't know which one I have. 
But because of this, I was put on a series of all these anti-epileptic medications, was put on antidepressants because they can do the same thing as anti-epilepsy medications. And that took me on an absolute mental health roller coaster. In what way? So I would either be hypersensitive emotionally or I'd be completely emotionally numb. It just depended on the medication. So hypersensitive One day I went into Coles and I must have really wanted an avocado. And Coles didn't have avocados for whatever reason. I broke down. How old were you? I was about 15 at that time. Okay, so not two and a half. Not two and a half. I was 15. the tantrum was the same. It was to my knees, almost like I'd found out someone died. I was inconsolable over an avocado. And then there was the polar opposite of being emotionally numb when I was about 15, mum took me on a holiday to the Gold Coast and we we're on fifth or sixth floor of a hotel and I'd lost all survival instincts. I remember saying to her, and she remembers it clearly, she'll never forget. I just said, I wonder what would happen if I walked off the balcony. I didn't want to die. I just was completely unafraid. I felt nothing. I was nothing. just like, what would happen? Who knows? Let's find out. So obviously she got onto that incredibly quickly and we went through the process of getting off that medication. But purely from the medication, I could become a completely different human being emotionally. So sensitivity, interestingly, you talk about you know being hypersensitive or whatever, but you're, you're very sensitive to the medication as well by the sounds of it. My nervous system, and it's the same with food and everything. Okay. I'm so sensitive. I'm sensitive to my surroundings. I believe in psychologists and psychiatrists and counsellors believe it's because of my upbringing being so hyper-aware for survival. It's a learned habit in all aspects of me. So it's something I am working through now, but it's something I've also learned compassion for it and acceptance that this might be with me forever. All I can do is take it as it comes and work on it as best I can. I want to point out, because I think it's important and it's an interesting feature, that medication for you had effects that that wouldn't have been expected, but that you can clearly see connection now into the fact that, you know, you were hyper alert, hyper sensitive as a result of trauma in your childhood, that other people who trial medication or who have been offered medication and might be listening and are a bit nervous about it going, you know what, this is probably an exception rather than the rule. Yes. And don't be afraid because there can be enormous benefits too. Yes. And it's also the case of if it goes wrong, one, you know, you've learnt, you've realised it. Two, it's better to try something than not because being the exception, I still would choose to go through it because if it can make my life easier, if it can help me heal and thrive instead of just survive, that learning journey is worth it. Absolutely worth it. In all my friends, if anything goes wrong, they're like, of course it went wrong for you in this situation, which is fine because it's worked for everyone else. Of all the people I know, I'm that one. And it makes me special. I'm special. It does. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened after coming up? So mum very swiftly got onto the fact that this medication was making you essentially numb and having no fear, which is dangerous, yeah. and you came off it, then what? So it was a little bit mixed with my endometriosis as well because that really affected my moods. Because you've got a big story around endo as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah, so that's what was not so great in my 20s. So on top of all the epilepsy stuff, I also had endometriosis, which we didn't know until I was 19. And that wow. would put me in periods of severe hopelessness and melancholy where 
life is bittersweet. It's so beautiful, but it's so horrendous. What's the point? So I was going through these periods of severe depressive moods, essentially. But because of my endometriosis, my cycles weren't regular. And so no one picked up that it was a cycle. So it was just very up and down. We're like, well, it might be the medication then. I was getting migraines. I was getting severe abdominal pain from my periods. Well, it all got put down to post-traumatic stress because these are signs of post-traumatic stress. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Because there was no cycle we could base it on. It was all so erratic. It's just, well, she's dysregulated. She's all over the place. No one put two and two together until... So no one investigated the stomach stuff and the end No one. It was all just put down. So that wasn't great. That also led me to feeling like I'm the problem. No one understands me. It must all be in my head because everyone's telling me it's all in my head. But luckily that eventually changed when I came off the medication, was much happier. Everyone could see I was much happier. I was much more stable. I said, look, I'm still getting severe abdominal pain. Someone please just look into it. How low did you go? Can I ask in terms of mood? Obviously, you know, oh my you're dealing gosh. with PTSD to some extent from your upbringing, but also you've got this physical stuff, which everyone's putting down to kind of mind over matter psychosomatic. And you're going, I feel so hopeless and so helpless. How low did it get? The best way I can describe it was a canyon of sadness. It was a canyon. Could not see the bottom. Everyone I loved I felt so sad for. It wasn't empathy. It was, it would suck to be you. It sucks to be me. Any minor problem was insurmountable. It was just so sad. A canyon could not see the bottom. And I felt like I had the world on my shoulders and inside of me. It was like somehow, I honestly can't even explain it. It was such a deep feeling that I don't even know if I can put it into words. It was huge. How did you get up every morning? And you're feeling like that. In that period, there are days where I couldn't because I was exhausted. I was so exhausted that I think it was term four of year 10. I went to school for four days. I was just exhausted. I could not get out of bed. That was it. Yeah. So I lost a lot of friendships. And when I did see people, I was like, I'm happy go lucky, Sophie, because this is what gets accepted. I don't feel safe Mask. with other people. Yeah, I I don't want people to reject me if they know that I feel this way. And so in a way, as a self-defense mechanism, I was also stopping myself from having those relationships I wanted because there are wonderful people out there who will accept me as I am and who would have given me a hand if I had asked. So did you struggle with friendships in that time? And I think there'll be people listening who sit in that year 9, year 10, yeah. 11 bracket going, yeah. I, I haven't felt my tribe or I don't feel safe enough to be vulnerable with people, which means I then don't get the connections that I really want to have. I had a lot of friends, but it was more superficial. Yeah, okay. Everyone was happy to see me. I was happy to see everybody. We'd go out, we'd have a good time or we'd talk, but there was never anything deeper because I didn't allow it because – One, I was afraid and I never really felt like I fit in. Okay. That's a pretty common feeling. It's so common. And I don't think we realize it because we don't talk about it. I think we can be lonely even when we're amongst a lot of people if we don't feel that authentic and genuine connection. Were there moments of loneliness for you in amongst all this sadness and physical pain? Classic cliche, you can be at a party and everyone's laughing, having a good time and you've got that big smile on your face and you're sitting there thinking, why do I feel so crap? When the fact is there's probably five other people in the room feeling the same thing. Feeling exactly the same way. Yeah. So that was a constant and that was more painful for me than being 
physically alone. I bet. Yeah. But going back to your earlier question, this all changed when I had a laparoscopic surgery to see what was going on in my abdominal situation. They found endometriosis and they put me on a treatment that would hopefully help it. And it did. And after about three months of being on a marina, which is like an IUD inserted little coil, mental health was like through the roof. It was like I was under five again. And I was like, let's take on life. Everything I can manage. I can manage everything. I feel physically great. I'm emotionally great. Like, get me out into the world. It was amazing how fast it changed. I am not in the medical model, so I have no idea. But I'm just (laughs) joining dots in your story here going... Do you think there was a hormonal connection between your mood, given that, yep. you know, having that surgery and, yep. and having the marina put in had such a profound effect on how you Absolutely. Felt? I think my hormones being all over the place, which can occur from post-traumatic stress at such a young age as well. Agree. I absolutely put it down to that. And I do think I do have pseudoepilepsy that was based on all of that. There's been no firm diagnosis. Please, everybody hear that. Sometimes, as good as medical science is, we've still got a long way to go as well. There's still a lot of question marks. Agree. Yeah. And I say this as well because in my 20s, my endometriosis came back worse than ever. Couldn't work for two years. Like it, It was horrendous. I ended up having a full hysterectomy. So, I am now on regulated hormones and I've gone back to feeling phenomenal. So, for me personally, I do believe it was something was way out of alignment with my hypersensitive body that was causing or massively contributing to all of this instability. I'm sitting with a, I've had a hysterectomy because you're a young woman and you had it as a young woman. Please tell me to mind my own business if you don't want to no, go No, no, it's okay. How was that in terms of a decision to make? So for me, one thing I have always known, and whether it's my upbringing or whether it's just in me, I personally never wanted kids. Okay. So for me, I honestly think it's a blessing because it made the decision far easier for me. And hats off to you if you want kids go for gold. If you don't want kids, go for gold. Stick with what aligns with you because if you go the other way, you're not going to be happy. No, absolutely. It's going to be hard. dog who clearly takes up. He's (laughs) licking me right now. (laughs) A lot of time and energy. He he takes up a lot. He's got a four-legged child. Okay, so physically you got things sorted out and under control. And there was a, a really great focus on that. And actually, it played a part in your mental health, a very big mm. part by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. What about in terms of your childhood and the experiences of, you know, this incredible mother who took that brave step of going, this is not okay for me and this is not okay for my children. I'm going to remove us from the situation and then has to somehow make that work over years, which entailed a lot of moves. And I doth my cap to your mum as well. I think it's it's so gutsy and she's got an incredible daughter, so it's a testament to her. But Thank you. Did you work through that? I did in my adult years. So in my 20s, part of what wasn't so great is because I didn't want children, I was getting a lot of pushback from doctors because the medical system, if people want to have kids or change their mind down the line, we want them to have the opportunity. Yep. There was a lot of hesitancy in that for me being a woman under 30 saying, no, 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 I don't feel well. I don't want this to, well, what if you feel good? Will you want it then? In their defence, I think that's a reasonable a reasonable process or series of questions to ask you. It absolutely is. Unfortunately, and I say this because in my childhood, there was a lot of dismissal of my experience 
of how I interpreted things. So when I was going through this in my 20s and I'm feeling crap again, I'm feeling horrendous, I'm very emotional, suddenly everyone's saying, you don't know what you want, you don't know the experience you're having, we will tell you it will change, brought back all these feelings of me when I was a kid again, of uncertainty, of everyone's telling me how I need to live my life, what is right and what is wrong. And so I, incidentally, being stuck in bed, not being able to do anything for a long period of time, had nothing to do but go through my childhood and be like, why is this affecting me so much? Why do I feel like a little kid again who has no idea what's going on? So I did a lot of self-reflection with that. I actually ended up writing a lot of poetry. Did you? I did. And it helped me get to such deeper levels of self-awareness that I didn't expect for one. I'm thinking out loud here because that's I find it fascinating. It's a beautiful way to process your story. Would you be willing, and we can post it somewhere, to share one of your poems, one of your favourite ones? So it depends what you want. I actually have my own Instagram. I post a lot of the poetry there. Perfect. Then we can guide people to look at that. So my handle on Instagram is unfoldwellbeing. Fabulous. So people can go there and and read the poetry that really stemmed out of a period of self-reflection for you. There is. And some of it is, you know, hey, there's hope for the future. Some of it is life sucks right now. Like one of them says, it doesn't matter where I go, it will not change how I feel. It actually won't. It's, it's, it's a temporary retreat. So there's a lot about my chronic pain. There's a lot about feeling so lonely and not being understood. And it's funny the amount of people who won't publicly like it, but will send me a personal message being like, I'm not alone. Oh my gosh, what is this? That's why I want to steer people towards it. Because yeah. I think sometimes in the same way that music does for a lot of people, it resonates and the lyrics are, oh my God, somebody else has felt that too. And as you say, that feeling of I'm not alone in it. So if we can guide people to your poetry and maybe that there'll be people out there who go, wow, okay, that's how I feel. I can't, I don't have the language. I don't have the words to describe it, but boy, boy, someone else has done a really good job of it. Exactly. And I think it also promotes that it's terrifying putting it out there. I, I do still get anxiety. I think I've got a lot of macho guys in my life and you don't really talk about it. We're just going to wrestle instead, which I love watching. <laughs> I absolutely love it. But I do, I, I think I'm like, oh, what are they going to think about this? But I think, you know what, who cares? Because this is mine. This is mine and I'm choosing to give this to them. If they don't want it, awesome. They can keep wrestling. That's fine. Do you still write? Do you still do it? I do and I absolutely love it. I do it on a daily basis. If the worse I feel, the more beautiful my writing is. Not not a great not, reason not to that we write. Want you to feel dreadful. No, no, but the more healing it is, to be honest, and the more I'm able to accept that it will come and it will go, Even if it feels awful, I've always found there's always something in there that is good, whether I see it then or whether I see it five years' time. There doesn't have to be anything good in a situation. We might not know the answer until our deathbed, really. It's the beauty of life. It's also the most terrifying thing about life. Of course it is. Life is full of uncertainty and full of challenges. And and I think people often are seeking or hoping to know how it will unravel for them. And the cold hard truth is none of us can really ever have that. No. And and being able to sit with the uncertainty and be flexible and shift and move with the changes is the key to being able to experience and enjoy it. And I think that's also what writing's been so good about for me is I can write my own story. You know, Frodo goes looking for the ring to save the world. I can write and look back on my pages and be like, that was my ring. That's what I was looking for. I found it. All these people I met along the way as well 
it's a way to take your power back. And that's a great thing. I agree. And as you're a therapist and understand, but for the people out there that might not, you know, there's a lot of therapy that a lot of people that get steered towards something called CBT, where we look at our thoughts and we challenge them and it can be incredibly helpful in the right scenario. But I do believe for people that have had really difficult situations in their life and trauma. And even young people in their teens who are really struggling with what's going on for them socially, connection-wise, anxiety, low mood, is to be able to reauthor your story, which is what narrative therapy is. Yes. Essentially, is such a beautiful way to go, you know what, I can sit with what's stuck in my head right now and believe that that's true and real. Or I can actually take myself outside of the situation and look at it from maybe another perspective and, and therapists are really helpful in guiding you to do that because often when we're in that bleak place, we don't see some of those shining moments and they, as you rightly point out, they still exist. And to be able to see that and reauthor your story, I totally agree. It takes mm. the power back, but it also helps you create a different narrative and that's really healing. It lets you define what you want to be remembered for and that's a massive thing because I, for a period, was like my endometriosis defines who I am. And it's only been two years since my surgery and now it's that's just one chapter of my story. doesn't define me as a person at all. I've got so much that I want to go do. And so it was a huge part of my life then and it will always be a part of me, but it doesn't have to determine where I'm going or what I'm going to do. I love that. It's, it's a part and it's a chapter, but it doesn't have to be my whole story. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we're dealing with difficult situations or we're not feeling great, we get stuck and we feel like it is our entire story and we start to drown in our story. Especially as a teenager, because there's so much you haven't experienced yet. The real world is a ma- well, the real world. The outer world of school is such a big place. Even what they prep you for for work. I never ended up doing anything I thought I was going to do in high school. <laughs> Completely out of the box. I chose my massage career because I saw an ad on TV and was like, why not? I'm bored on my gap year. And it ended up being a decade of amazing fun. So you, okay, so so you much did it fun. for 10 years. I did it for 10 years. I'd still do it, but medical science isn't that good with arthritis yet. So once it is, I'll be straight back onto it. It's I love it as a career. If anyone likes tactile stuff and you can just talk to people whilst physically helping them, massage is phenomenal. So you saw an ad on telly, decided, yep. I'll give that a crack and ended up with it as a career for 10 years. Loved it. It would be my entire life if I could. Oh, how amazing. Loved it. How amazing. Yeah, so... If you're not certain about what you want to do and you don't like absolutely jump into uni if you know what you want to do. If you don't, don't worry if you change your degree. There's so many jobs out there that we don't even know exist. I I read some research recently which basically said that the current kind of school generation slash cohort will have anything up to five completely different careers in their lifetime and the vast majority of those careers don't even exist yet. Yep. Which is how rapidly the world is changing. And and I actually think we do them a disservice because education hasn't changed that much. Is that they're still going through a system that, you know, I went through. It really hasn't changed very much from those no. days. And yet the world has changed exponentially. So how on earth can they be prepared for a world that is so rapidly changing? Which I think is why kids, young well, I say kids, but I mean adolescents, young people, find themselves so uncalibrated, so anxious, is that they are not being taught how to be flexible, how to deal with uncertainty, how to deal and cope with change. Exactly what I say. Okay, good. Yeah, exactly. And 
my biggest thing that I wish I was taught in high school along with that, how to read a contract and how to know your rights. As an employee in an organization, how to read that contract can change everything for you. Yeah. Yeah, that would be huge. But that's it. It's more learning how to make your way through life and bounce back. Resiliency, essentially, will do you so much greater good than picking a career path, going through the motions and hating it and staying there. Absolutely. Because we don't know how to deal with change. I call it suck it and see. Oh, my God, I love it. Have a go. And if it doesn't work, there's a thousand other things out there you can have a go at. I'm not telling my boyfriend that. I'm not no, telling you that, not, but I, I love know, it. It's probably not, not that appropriate for my adolescence. Maybe they're snickering as they no, walk they out the door. It. You, you will trend on TikTok with that. Suck it and Absolutely. It's a I great approach. That. It's a great approach to life. Yeah. You know what? Apply it where you will. We'll leave it at that. It takes the pressure off. Agree. That's for sure. Absolutely yeah. agree. How have you ended up doing your Masters of Counselling? I can kind of guess why, but can you share it with us? In my journey, I was really low on financial resources. I was low on energy. So I couldn't find a long-term therapist that really worked for me and that I felt safe with. Also, because I was going through my own issues of how do I feel safe with other human beings. Yeah, okay. So I got stuck with myself a lot, got stuck with my thoughts. and I was like, I don't like these thoughts. I want to feel better. I'm very independent. So I was like, I'm going to do a self-paced education. I'm going to do counselling because I don't want to be a psychologist, quite frankly. I love psychology, but it's just red tape is not my best friend. I just wanted more of that freedom of humans being humans, not humans fitting into a box. I did a self-paced diploma in counselling. I was like, this is life-changing. Whether if it's just for my self-awareness and understanding of, oh my gosh, this isn't me. This is just something I've learned heavily. I can actually change this. This is life altering. And so I did that, had my surgery, felt better over time. I was like, brain must have more information that I desire. And so I went to uni, did a master's, doing my master's now, and I absolutely love it. I think even if nothing came of it career-wise, the compassion I have for myself and others now is tenfold. And the understanding of, yes, you are at your worst. Yes, you may be doing behaviors you don't want to do or have parts of yourself you hate. We can work through that and we can actually integrate it so you feel healthier and happier and self-accepting. And so when shit hits the fan, you're okay. It's not nice. No one wants like shit flung at them, but you can still survive and you can even find good things out of it if you choose. You can still get through life and not forgive someone for what they've done and still be okay. And that to me is, A, it's powerful and that seems to be what everybody wants these days in one way or another. And why not? There's nothing actually wrong with power. It's just how we use it. And B, there's a long life ahead of you. You may as well try and enjoy it as much as possible. Oh, absolutely. For someone yeah. who's further along than you, I go, you know what? My story maybe I might do one day myself, but it, you know, is, it. Is, is complicated and complex too. But I can yeah. categorically say that you can come out of the pits of despair thinking mm-hmm. that, you know what? I can't go on to going, yeah. oh my goodness, life has so much to offer and it's so rich. And yeah. I just have to be able to go with the ebbs and flows. I think that yeah. that is the trick. It's it's that it simple. Is. If I can move with the ebbs and flows of life, I'll be okay. Absolutely. And you don't need to go to uni like I have to, to learn that either. Mm. Some of the most prosperous people I know my age 
are the ones who quit high school early, didn't go to uni and just went straight out into the world. They seem to be able to deal with things far better than I can, quite frankly, the ebbs and flows I'm still learning with. I think we underestimate that going out into the world is still education. Oh, huge. It, it's real world education. You actually learn the realities of it, not just theory. For some people, it's a way better fit. And I just so happen clearly to love words and reading and writing. So this path works for me. There are a lot of good therapists out there who didn't get their masters who have used their real world experience and their own studies as well because there's a lot of information out there and luckily a lot of it's free like this on TikTok. (laughs) Interestingly said, you'd seen therapists and and some of it didn't work for you. Mm. For people who might be listening, it's a question I've asked other people who've been on the podcast because I actually think it's really important and every person has a different viewpoint. What do you think people should be looking for in a therapist? Because we're quickly determining that it's really hard to find that person sometimes and it's really hard to find it with the first link. Yes. What do you do? What do you look for? For me, it is somebody who either shares my values and a lot of therapist bios will have, you know, just their generic baseline values on there so you can connect. It's also whether they can actively say, I personally really appreciate someone saying, I don't understand, help me understand. I want to understand your perspective so that I can work with you to achieve what you want. It's really that person-centered. It's the friend who's like, I don't like your boyfriend, but I want you to be happy. And if they're not actively hurting you, I'm going to support you in making your relationship work. It's the acknowledgement that this is your life and we are not going to be exactly the same. Doesn't mean we can't work together and doesn't mean I can't support you. Okay, great. That's what it is to me. And it really is, it's like dating. You can meet someone and it can work for five dates really well and then something happens and you go, something shifted, don't really click with that. Is there anyone else you know who's similar? Preferably good looking if we're dating. Doesn't matter for a therapist, everybody. No, I'm going, I'm going Tinder for therapists. Maybe this is a thing. But it is, it, it absolutely (laughs) should be a thing though, because we're all different people and we've all got our, you know, strengths and weaknesses. We've all got our alignments. It's the classic, not everyone's for you and you're not for everyone. Agree. So the the fact is there's eight billion of us. I think there's going to be somebody, there's got to be a therapist out there who, will be amazing for you. You just got to keep looking. You got to keep looking. Keep digging. I totally agree with you. And I I, I want people to take that message away is it's, Sometimes you'll try the first person. It's it's pretty rare, but and that's a great fit for you. But it could be the third or fourth person. But but don't give up. Don't give up. Because when you find that fit, it is quite an amazing relationship. It's the same as comfort food. You can eat all the food in the world, but when you find that food you really love, it's amazing. Yeah. Keep eating that food. Yeah. Sophie, I could talk to you a lot longer, (laughs) but I'm conscious of you've given up your time. (laughs) That's all right. The question I always like to finish with is that classic self-awareness and introspection of I am where I'm at right now and it's been a journey and a process to get there. But if with the wisdom I have today, I wanted to have a conversation with my 13 or 14 year old self. Because as you rightly pointed out earlier on, we're not good at being friends with ourselves. So we probably didn't talk too kindly to 13-year-old self. Mm. What would you tell her now? It really depends on my mood at the time. But at the moment, it would be your experience is always the truth. Doesn't matter if someone says, no, you're not feeling this way. You feel this way because of something else. Doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means they're basing it on their life experience. 
the way you experience something is real. How can it not be if that's what you see and you hear and you feel? that That's reality. So don't dismiss that based on what someone says. If someone says you can't be sad, they're just doing what they think is right. Actually not personal. It's just they're trying to do what they want you to do as well. The other thing is labels only mean what you choose them to mean. That's the biggest one. And you've had a lot of labels. I've had a lot of labels. <laughs> when I let go of the labels or I was like, you know what? No, this label means this to me. So much compassion came in for myself. So much love because how do I put it into words? I'm going to have to write it down later today. <laughs> you are. Are you actually telling me, which is really interesting and probably a bit contra to how I perceive things. So again, you know, I want to take that position yep. of your truth, but are you saying labels helped you? Redefining my labels helped me. Okay. So post-traumatic stress disorder. When you hear that, you think, oh, that person's got issues. That person's had something bad happen and now they struggle to deal with things or they're different to everybody else. No, it just means we learnt ways to survive that worked and they worked so well that they're still with us. That's what it means to me. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It doesn't mean I'm a difficult case to handle. It just means I did something so well for me at that time that I now need to say thank you for that. Thank you so much for helping me. Let's change this up now because I need but new I, skills. But I got yeah. this. I need yeah. new skills. I've got new skills. So love you, going to leave you. Thank you. That's a beautiful notion and, and what you really are telling your 13-year-old your self there is you're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. You just need some support and some people to be there for you and to validate your story, but you're perfect just as you are. And you just said that so succinctly. Thank you. You're welcome. Sophie, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you for having me. I loved it. It's been so uplifting. Oh, it's been so lovely to chat with you. And it's, you know, and I feel very privileged to hear stories where people have had such a hard time and that they're willing to come on and, and talk about what it was like to go through it, but also beautifully what it what it is like at the other side of it and you're a shining example of what's at the other side and if I'm honest I really truly hope that you finish your master's and get out there and do your stuff because I think you've got a lot thank to you. offer the therapeutic I world will. I really do and a big thank you to you actually for creating such an open and safe space to talk about this without fear of reproduction or dismissal the fact that you're open to different perspectives and able to align it with your own perspective and still make it as equally valid is such a good skill that I am still learning. So thank you for your example. I'm going to follow that. Thank you. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing, <laughs> if I'm totally honest. Well, you're doing it right. But thank, thank you anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely fine. Go for it. It's imposter syndrome. <laughs> so thank you. Those lovely words. Good luck with everything and um, keep doing what you're doing and letting go of the stuff that doesn't help you anymore because once we do that and shed those layers, our real true self is out there enjoying the world and all it has to offer. So go do that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mind Rewind. Subscribe for free for future episodes. And if you're interested in sharing your own journey, please contact us at beanstalkconsulting.com.au. If you or someone you know needs crisis support, please phone Lifeline on 13 11 14.